episode 53 of the Pilot the Pilot podcast takes off now. David Campbell, I'm a 49-year-old private pilot that's uh, aspiring to be a commercial pilot. What is going on, AV Nation, and welcome back to the Pilot the Pilot podcast. This is episode number 53 featuring David Campbell. David is a career changer. He started out going to Western Michigan and wanting to be a pilot, realized how expensive it was, and hey, college gets in the way, and then he decided to go to construction, and then at age 49, he decided to leave a $100,000 or more career to leave that and become a pilot. David is just the epitome of going after your dreams, of seeing a dream and wanting to do it. He's always wanted to be a pilot and he didn't do it until he was 49 years old. Some of the things that we specifically talk about in this episode are how David has any regrets and the decision that he's made in the past. We talk about how he had a good friend who finished his training at Western Michigan, but ended up quitting flying further down the line. We talk about how aviation is something that is going to rule your life, whether you're a pilot or not. How an annual goal sheet helped David get back into aviation. How he used AOPA to find a local flight school. How seeing someone older than him complete his training helped David realize that this is a real possibility. And the importance of using your GI Bill to pay for your flight training. Aviation, I hope you truly enjoyed today's episode. If you do, please leave us a review at iTunes. Check us out on Instagram at PilotThePilot, our website, PilotThePilotHQ.com. Or if you have any feedback, good or bad, let me know at PilotThePilotHQ at gmo.com. Aviation, I also want to go ahead and throw it out there. Check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash PilotThePilot. We're going to be giving away some cool stuff there. We have $5, you get stickers. I'm going to create a new $10 one where you get a sticker and a keychain, which is to be determined later. I have some pictures up on on patreon so go ahead and check it out please be a patreon member let me know what you think of the podcast i love creating this content and my patreon members really help me create this content aviation without further ado here's david campbell hey david thanks for coming on the pilot to pilot podcast thanks for having me appreciate it no problem looking forward to talking with you um yeah the email you sent me just kind of got me captivated and i'm really interested to hear your story um let's go ahead and start from the beginning why did you want to be a pilot what made you want to switch from your hundred thousand dollar year job to, to go into aviation at 49 um i had uh always wanted to be a pilot when i was you know middle school high school uh we were lucky enough to do a little bit of traveling you know flying for spring break uh with my parents and stuff like that and i, I think the first time i ever got on a, a jet i was just kind of captivated by it like most of us are and <laughs> yeah. so that was kind of always my always my goal um just ended up getting away from it. I actually went to college at Western Michigan and started in their aviation program and, and opted out of it after a year for various reasons, but uh, always had in the back of my mind. Um, never knew I would get back to it, uh, but just had the opportunity. So um, was at a time in my life where I was able to walk away from a great job and, and just pursue something that truly was my passion and felt very lucky to do that. And, and, you know, am loving every minute of it so far. Awesome. So you were at, you were at Western Michigan, which is a, a fairly big aviation school. So you went there for aviation to start out with, and then kind of some things came up and you decided to change. What do you, what were the specific, do you have specific reasons why it changed? Was this kind of like money and time and all that? Uh, yeah, I, I guess I didn't see, um, how I was going to pay for all the flight time. Mm -hmm. And that was part of it. That probably really wasn't all of it. Um, 
I started out and just struggled hard my first year in college. And I think more than anything else, I just wanted to make a change. And uh, I had been working in construction and that's what I changed over into. And, you know, that's been my career path for most of my life since then. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I saw the writing on the wall with all what it was going to cost. And then, you know, just being on the struggle bus, trying to get make <laughs> grades and stuff. Um, I think I just wanted to make a change. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I can't say that I regret it because I, you know, it's, it's been a pretty good ride since then, but I'm just really happy that I'm able to get back into it now as well. I don't think I would have regretted staying in it (laughs) either. So definitely not. It's, uh, how long ago did you make that decision to leave aviation and focus on a different career? So that would have been like 1988, 1989. Okay. Well, it's just very interesting that kind of the same things happen today where people are complaining about how expensive it is or they can't figure out a way to come up with the funds or the money and how it's just a common thing. And it doesn't matter when yeah. you started aviation, aviation's expensive. It's always been expensive and always will be expensive. And right. it's like you said, you can, it's, I think it's interesting how, even though you took a step away from it, but it still called you back into it. So it's yeah. funny. It's like, I mean, who knows what your career would have been like if you did get into it at the time you did, like you never know about furloughs or any of that stuff or all that. Right. So, you might be doing it at the right time. So, I mean, that's, that's crazy that you're, you're getting back into it and that's awesome. Yeah. And I had, uh, I had a pretty close friend that was in the aviation program there and ended up finishing it. And, you know, that was back in the days when you got done and you were making 18 grand a year <laughs> and, and he was yeah. on, you know, he was on reserve for, you know, for forever. I don't know. He ended up getting out of it, doing doing something else, getting back into it, got out of it again. You know, he just couldn't make it a go. He had gotten mm-hmm. married and had a family and man, that's just tough to do. You know, I mean, that's, that's, uh, so he, you know, to this day is not a pilot now, even though he, you know, got his degree and, and started out. And Interesting. So, uh, you know, who knows, who knows? Well, yeah, I mean, you go, aviation has its challenges on families, on personal life as is, even if it's perfect. So see, even if you're a captain of a triple seven making, crazy amounts of money you're still going to have your family issues aviation you're still going to have to be gone for a while you're still going to have to pack up and leave and miss stuff but when you add in reserve making eighteen thousand, all (laughs) these things that kind of go against you and furloughs and all that it just it really makes it hard on family so aviation is definitely something that you have to become fully prepared to kind of almost give your life to because it it rules your life without a doubt and yeah it's very, it's also crazy how you both started aviation, you left aviation and came back to aviation, and then he continued aviation, then left aviation to do something right. else. So it's really funny how you guys kind of went total opposite ways, and <laughs> now you're yep. doing opposite things, which is just crazy. It's interesting. So you were, tell me about the decision to leave your job. Tell me about kind of why you finally made the jump at the at the age you are now and why you didn't want to do it earlier. Just kind of walk me through that process. Yeah, that's, um, it's a classic of, classic tale of the timing just being right and several things coming together. So uh, I mentioned earlier, I was in construction. Um, that's what my degree is in. I was in that. Uh, ever since I graduated college, minus some time I spent in the Marine Corps, but I had uh, in the mid, early and mid nineties started, started my own small little residential construction company and did a little land development and was trying to build that up. And then of course, uh, everything went in the crapper and, uh, you know, I got, I got hit hard by that and, and lost, I had to shut down the business, lost, you know, just about everything. I, you know, I was a single guy and I had everything I, I could put into the company and, and end up losing that. And so it took me a little while to get back on my feet again. And I ended up, um, 
having a connection out on the, uh, I was back in Michigan at the time, but had a connection out uh, on the East Coast and landed this, this just awesome job uh, out here and was working away at that and, and, you know, really had done the complete 180 and when everything was back on track again. And my uh, boss at the time was actually a very good friend of mine. Um, he had all of us that worked for him do a uh, annual do three things uh, in your personal life, three goals, and then three business goals. And so, of course, my first personal goal was, well, I'm going to, you know, now that things are going pretty good, I'm getting, I'm going to get back in aviation. I'm going to get my private pilot's license. So that was right. one of my goals that I, I started to work on. So I, I did. I, I started flying while I was still with the company full time and, you know, um, did the, oh, I'm working whatever, 60 hours a week and trying to fly on the weekends. And that started stretching out to where I was a year and a half into it and still hadn't done my check ride and, and all that sort of thing. And I'd gotten, we had it, we had it kind of a, when I started, um, at the company, we had an unwritten agreement that, uh, we were going to give five years, you know, I was going to come out and cause it's a kind of a dog eat dog world in the construction business sometimes and there's mm -hmm. people coming looking for you and so it was like you know i want you to give five years so i, I was kind of looking at that at the job i was on was was coming was just about being done and and the jobs tend to run 18 months to two years something like that and and i was coming up on the five-year mark and i just decided you know great job love it but it's not my passion and I, I had been keeping an eye on the aviation world I was, as I was working on my private pilot license and just decided um, I am in the position where, where I can walk away and do something that I really love. And um, so I just went in one day and told my boss, I'm done after this job. I don't really have a plan and I'm going to look into aviation and we're going to go from there. And that's that's what started it. And he <laughs> stood up, shook my hand and you know, and, uh, we're, we're good buddies to this day. And I was about that, to say, that, what that was it? What was his response? Was he like, you're crazy. How are you going to start being a pilot now? It's like, what are you doing? Or was, uh, he, like you said, was he pretty supportive right off the bat? No, he was very supportive because <laughs> we, we had talked about it. Um, you know, he, he kind of knew I was leaving. I mean, certainly there were others that had that exact response, right. but not from him. Not from him. He, 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 we, we were, we were pretty tight. We, we talked about stuff and, um, you know, he, I, he, he just wants his people to be happy, you know, That's and awesome. he knew that what I was doing wasn't my passion and that aviation had become it. And so he was all for it. Yeah, so, that's good. you know, that makes it easy. Certainly it when you're, you know, when you got to go in and tell your boss and he's like, that's awesome. Do it. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, all right, man. See ya. <laughs> what did he, so when he came up with you and said, Hey, come up with three things in your personal life, business life of what you want to do. And, uh, you talked about private pilot license and did, did you have any kind of thought that, Hey, like once this came up, that was that kind of that, did you ever think that you would be able to quit your job to move on? No, or, no, know? that was never, that was never a thought in the beginning. Um, it, and it really, I, I didn't go into it thinking it was going to be any kind of a, you know, job or anything mm -hmm. like that. But uh, once I got into it, you know, and you, obviously you kind of immerse yourself when, when you're, when you're a student pilot and you just, you know, you're a sponge for knowledge and you keep hearing about this pilot shortage. And, and when I started, it was still like, ah, there's, there's not a pilot shortage. Oh, yes, there is, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then kind of got down the road and like, yeah, you know, I think this thing is real and started looking into it. And 
I mean, I didn't have all I didn't have all the information, but uh, when I left the job, I, I thought I thought there would be some way I could make a living as a pilot. Didn't really know what. Didn't have a goal. Didn't have anything in mind other than, you know, I think I can. I think I can fly. I I know that I have the skills and the smarts to probably be able to get there. So mm-hmm. that's really all it started as. And then um, I really kind of pieced together. Another another piece of, of great timing was uh, was reading AOPA magazine and there was an ad in there for a local community college that has an aviation program and uh, got hooked up with them and oh, cool. they they have an associate's degree program and I I had done at that point I had done pretty much all my private stuff but you know they start you out from nothing and then goes you know private instrument commercial uh, semester by semester and then. Um, you know, you, you, you come out with your associate's degree and hopefully all the way through your commercial cert. So, oh, um, really learned a lot there because they have a pretty spectacular staff. The guy who runs it was a uh, colonel in the air force for 25 years and they have a Navy test pilot instructor. They have a retired United airlines, uh, pilot as another instructor i mean the guys are just you know a wealth of knowledge and so once i got locked in there um it kind of became clear like okay this really can be a go i I expected to be the oldest guy in the class being you know i'm 49 now and i don't know if i have enough time left for all this (laughs) i wasn't the oldest guy in the class and in fact one of the one of the um one of the biggest moments uh, that that happened for me was the uh, the Navy test pilot instructor, great guy. He had um, a gentleman come in, had been an Army helicopter pilot, and he, uh, I think he was fifty two or fifty three, and he had just accepted um, a contract from one of the local regionals to start flying for them. Um, so I'm like, okay, here's this guy. He's older than I am, and you know, he can do really anything he wants because he's got the retirement from the army and he's got a, you know, part-time, I think he was, he was a part-time professor there. I never had him for any classes, but, and, and he's going this route. He's determined it's okay for him. And I'm like, man, that's me. You know, that's me in a couple of years. So that was, you know, uh, finding out that the school had this aviation program, really inexpensive way to get, it's just nice to have the, the associate's degree. It, the restricted ATP comes a little bit quicker that way, mm-hmm. but just uh, grounding me in the aviation uh, knowledge of how things really work um, was just huge, huge for me that I happened to find that. Sh- you know, and this was like shortly after I left my job. So yeah. that's 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 good. I mean, that's definitely something. It's re- makes it relate to you because, like you said, you were forty nine. I don't know how old you were when you actually started, but it's. I mean, it's kind of a. It's a task, you know, you're like, all right, I have to retire at 65. I go to the airlines, you're crunching right. numbers. You're like, oh, if I stay here, it's worth the money here, but I won't be as happy. And you kind of just get overwhelmed with these feelings and thoughts that it's not worth it or I don't want to do it or you can't do it. You feel like right. you physically can't do it because of the time left that you have, but you, you can do it. You can have a good career. Airlines are hiring, regionals are hiring and who knows, but you might be able to be at a major airline by the time you retire and have a good career. So, I mean, right. there's, there's yep. definitely a good career in front of you. And there's also other jobs where you can fly over. Over 65, you can work at, right. at 135 companies and you can fly. Some pilots I've heard are 75, 80 years old. And I don't know yeah. if you want to work that long. <laughs> Not many people do, but it is an option for you to do that. So it's definitely a good career path. Doesn't matter how old you are. I mean, if you're 64, 65, maybe it might be a little too late, but, <laughs> but. <laughs> yeah. 
it's never a bad thing to get into it. And it, the way it is right now, we don't know if it's always going to be like this because aviation, as everyone knows, is just like every other industry and probably a little yep. bit more cyclical than every other industry. But it's it's at a great time to get in. It's at a great time to start training. So I think that you made a good choice. And I get a lot of emails from people or DMs on Instagram about, hey, I'm 25, I'm 29, I went to college, I'm an engineer, I'm whatever. I really want to get in aviation. Is it too late for me? Or how do I make the switch? Can you yeah. talk a little bit about the, cause it's I mean, like we talked about earlier, it's a lot to take in. It's a lot to switch, especially if you have family, kids. Talk yep. to me about kind of the process and thought process of you making the switch. Did you make like a pros and cons list or did you just jump oh, in? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. What was, what was kind of the pros and cons that you would say that most people kind of face when they come to switch careers? Well, the major con and huge for me because, you know, I, I was just five years away from having, crashed my business and, and all, you know, going through all that, um, to getting back on my feet again and making, you know, making more money than I ever made before and, and, and living at a very, you know, in a very comfortable way to, you know, knowing, knowing that paycheck every two weeks was, was going to be there and wasn't going to bounce was, was a nice feeling. Mm -hmm. and, and you're leaving that behind, or at least, you know, the route I chose, I left that behind. Um, I had put, enough money away to pay for a lot of the a lot of the flight training um so my consideration was you know i just got to pay make some money to pay for my day-to-day -day life um so that those those are the kinds of the biggest consideration i mean obviously the pros are you're doing something you love and it is true. They say, you know, if you're doing something you love, you never go to work. And, you know, it's like when I went to the, went to the community college, I wasn't sitting in class. I was sitting in there listening to somebody talk about something I just loved and couldn't mm -hmm. get enough of, you know? Um, so I think for that 25 or 30 year old, that's considering it, you know, the biggest, the biggest consideration is how are you going to pay for it? And see now for me, I'm an anomaly, 49, never been married, engaged now, but never been married, don't have any kids. So, uh, and I live with my fiance, she works as well. So that makes it a heck of a lot easier than knowing I've got an 18 year old going to college next right. year, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I can't speak to that because I didn't have, I don't know that I could have done it if I was in in that scenario or it would have to be a lot different. I mean, you just got to figure out the time and the money of it. Um, you know, if, if you get bit by the bug, I mean, it's, Lord it's help not you. A, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Lord help you be, you know, but, um, I think if, if you're younger, first of all, yes, you do have a lot of time, um, barring something crazy happening in the industry, mm -hmm. but you know, um, the more you can do right away, I think is better. I mean, you can get your private pilot, still working full time. It's, you know, a lot of people do it. So why not, why not do that and have a plan to put some money away, figure out a plan where you can get a good, good paying, maybe part-time job, um, as you get a little farther into your career so you can start building your hours. And then, yeah. you know, a lot of guys do the, you know, right now, 500 hours, you can get hired somewhere. You're not gonna be making a ton of money, but you no. know, a uh, couple years, you're going to, you know, fly some freight or whatever you got to do. And then guess what? You know, you're going to be flying at that regional. So, um, knowledge is power. And I think getting into it and doing it is, is the best way to gain that knowledge. So, I, you know, 
you, you got to get yourself around the financial. Got to. Yeah. Of it. I mean, but, you definitely need a, I talked to someone before, I think it was uh, Jeremy Grodin and he was talking about how he came up with a financial plan. He figured out, he like mapped everything out. Like, this is how much it's going to cost. This is how much I don't want to go over. And then he mapped out how much he's going to save to pay off what he needs to pay off yep. and be debt free by the end and come out with that map and see if that works for you and your family. Cause I mean, right. this is, this is a decision that you can't make on your own if you are married or if you have a fiance yeah. or a very serious girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever it is. You, you have to, cause this is, <laughs> this takes a toll on a family, man. I mean, like it's not easy. As you know, training's not easy. Uh, you have to pretty much drop anything on a nice day to go fly. So right. you got to get your time in. And then your first couple of jobs. I mean, I flew aerial survey. I flew freight. I was gone a lot. Crappy hours crappy conditions, <laughs> crappy planes. Like, I mean, it's just, it's a lot and it's a, it's a lot you got to do. And I mean, it's definitely something to think of when you're making that switch and yeah, you were talking, Oh, keep going. It, it can't be a snap decision. I think, no. you know, like what you said, mapping it out is you've got to have like a very well thought out plan mm-hmm. and, and really got to stick to it, especially if there's a family involved. I mean, there's just don't getting around that, but it absolutely can be done. I want to throw another thing in there that maybe for a little bit for guys on the younger side, this is something I was surprised to find out when I went to the community college. Most of the guys I was in there with were former military, as was I. Now, when I was in, unfortunately, it was before 9-11, so back then the GI Bill you had to opt into. Since then, it's you basically get it automatically. So these guys, all former military of some sort, um, you know, even if they just did a one year one or uh, one contract, like four year commitment, they had a GI Bill. GI Bill pays for all that, pays for their flight time, pays for their classes, pays for the books. I mean, these and, and they could even get uh, payment for housing as well. Mm-hmm. So if I'm 18, 20, 22, maybe even 25, I'm going to the military four years, get my GI Bill and then uh Going to a community college like this is probably the least expensive way to do. It. I know there's, you know, like you went to Ohio State, I went to Western Michigan, great mm-hmm. programs. Those programs aren't cheap, though. No, not at all. Uh, and not that this one is, but as far as getting a good education, I think, in my opinion, uh, getting into aviation, going the community college route, this certainly isn't the only one that does it uh, via the GI Bill. That's the way to do it. Yeah. I mean, there, no, there's, there's no better route that no. I've seen. Yeah, I mean, if you can find someone to pay for your schooling and if, like you said, the military, which obviously the military is not for everyone, but right. if the military is something that you can see yourself doing, or even if you make a pros and cons list and you, you think you can suck it up for four years to get some money to pay for your flying, it might be worth it. So definitely check out that. There are a yep. ton of options for you to fund your flying. It's just whether or not you are willing to, to put in the time or the work or whatever you need to do to, get that funding, if that makes sense. So whether it's a military, finding scholarships, just going as crazy as you can to figure out a way to pay for it, there are some options for you as well. And yep. it's, I mean, yeah, it's just something you got to do to make that switch. And at least now, like if, you know, if you do into, I mean, you know, everybody comes out of college with some sort of student debt these days. Um, but at least now when you come out, you're making like a living wage and it's not like it was back back in the yeah. day when I opted out, you know, at least you are making a little bit of money and then it's not too far down the road where, you know, you're, you're going to be comfortable. You're going to be able to pay those debts off pretty quickly yeah. more than likely. So, uh, at, at least that has, uh, come back around and, and, 
is a little closer to where it should be probably. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, you can definitely make a living wage your first year at a regional regional airline. So I'm glad that that's where the, the, the industry is now because yeah. 18 grand a year. And I've talked with a couple of pilots and they're sleeping on benches, shaving in bathrooms, right. brushing their teeth. It's like, it's not a good look to have your pilot sleeping on a bench. It's like, I don't really know if I want to fly with someone <laughs> that's sleeping on a bench, you know? So that's, it's well, good. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And you said that you, so you started doing your private pilot training while you were still working full-time, correct? I did, yeah. What was, you said it could, it was about two years in and you still didn't have the, the check ride or the certificate. What, talk to me about the challenges of doing your training while you were working full-time and kind of the things that can kind of maybe make it a little harder for you. Cause I know when I was doing football, when I was flying, I kind of just kept making excuses about how tired I was or how busy I was and I couldn't do it. But in reality, if I, I could have probably set a little bit more time apart, but talk to me a little bit about how it went with you. Yeah, no, I, I, what you just said is, is exactly right. Um, I found myself making excuses as well. Uh, you know, so available availability on the weekends was a problem. Availability during the week is a problem. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, had like whatever, probably an hour commute home if I wanted to fly in the afternoon. And, you know, my boss was like, well, just set aside, a, you know, one day a week where you're going to take off early in the afternoon. Like, well, that sounds great in practice, but you know, then it's like Thursday and the phone's ringing and there's a thunderstorm coming in, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, but, um, it is, uh, it is easier to make the excuse not to get out to the, out to the field and get in the plane. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's why it drug on for me is, is when I, when I decided to push it and I, you know, I'm going to get this done then I got it done and it was, it was flying, you know, I had to re-solo like three different times. Uh, I flew three different, I would, the school I was at flies light sports. I was in three different kinds of light sports because, you know, started out, they had two of this kind, but then the, that one went down and they sold the other one. So, okay, let's move over to this one over here. And, and, uh, you know, a little bit of a learning curve every time you do that. And, yeah. and then lo and behold, winter comes around and you haven't flown in 60 days and you know, you're, you're not starting back at square one, but you're, you're back a few pegs. That's for sure. So (laughs) definitely um, winter in the Midwest is not very helpful for private pilot training at all. No, you know, it's with, I mean, uh, this, the the last couple of weeks have been so frustrating to try to get up and it it reminds me of that. But I, I tell you the most frustrating thing so far in my aviation career was, was doing, trying to do my private pilot while working full time. Yeah. It's, it's just tough. But once I got resold again, I said, I am so close right now and just said aviation for the next 90 days is going to trump everything. Once I did that, then it, it really fell right into place, but yeah. it, you're right. It's easy to make the excuses and it's, Very it's, easy. you know, Thursday at two and man, I probably need to get out there, but I really can. I can go up Saturday. Well then, you know, here comes the low pressure system Friday night and, you're not flying Saturday. And yeah. So that was very frustrating. It, it drug out. I had close to a hundred hours when I got my private pilot mm-hmm. and you know, I don't say that with pride. I say that with, that's my story. Yeah. And, um, doesn't you know, mean you're a worse pilot than the guy that got at 40 hours. There's no, there's no difference between a 40 hour par- private pilot and a hundred hour private pilot, except maybe some more experience. You might right. have more experience about what's going on. And yeah. 
I mean, there's no issue with taking 100 hours or 70 hours or however long it takes you to get your private pilot license. Don't try to, to rush into it wanting to be getting it done as fast as possible, which I know people do. You can get yourself in some trouble if you do that. Yeah, I wouldn't be um, completely comfortable with doing like a, a one of the crash courses for private pilot. I, I was happy at the end of the day, once it's all done, like to have the hundred hours in and have flown three or four different kinds of planes, like, all right, I feel better about, you know, getting up in this thing and, and taking my, <laughs> taking my fiance up. Yeah. And, and uh, that's actually one of the first things I did when I got my private pilot license was I took my girlfriend up uh, in, in a plane and she came down as my fiance. So that oh, was, no way. You know, that's awesome. Yep. So did that you, was awesome. Did you film it and put it on YouTube? Like everyone else is doing? No, didn't do that. <laughs> didn't do that. You could but, have been a YouTube star. Uh, yeah, we missed that opportunity, but yeah. we certainly have a nice story to tell people <laughs> how we got engaged. So that's cool. But, uh, yeah, no, getting a private pilot while working, um, it's tough. It is. It's tough. I, I think probably one of the better ways to uh, maybe a better way to go is you know you you get most of the way into it and then you find a way to take a couple of weeks off and you just finish you know your last your last few flights you get your long cross countries in and you, and you get up with your instructor a few times and try to get that check right in mm-hmm. you know um when you've been flying three four times a week for a couple of weeks in a row uh but up into that it you know you fly when you can fly, but yeah. yeah, it's, it's easy to let it drag out. Plus, you know, you're like, ah, man, that last, that last cross country was like 400 bucks. And, yeah. oh. So, or you scare yourself. A lot of times, you know, the crosswind was a little strong for what you wanted and you scared yourself. You did a wheelie for a while and <laughs> you don't feel comfortable. <laughs> and then that kind of can, you're like, maybe this isn't meant for me. Maybe I'm not a good enough pilot. Maybe I'm not good enough to do that. That definitely, I've, I've heard of private pilots or people that are training that just scare themselves and they don't want to get back in the plane. But the only way to get over that and become a better pilot is to get back in the plane. Right. Yeah. Right. So talk about your training a little bit. Um, what, did you have any difficulties with any certain subjects or flying any maneuvers or anything, or was it pretty smooth sailing? Um, it was fairly smooth sailing. I guess it's the, my biggest issue is the classic issue everyone has is, you know, just feeling the flare, uh, <laughs> in, in getting in, getting into your landings. I mean, yeah. that was really not that, you know, not that everything was just so easy for me, but that that was the one thing that just really took. It, it's really frustrating because my first solo landing to this day is like one of the best landings I've ever had, and then <laughs> did two more, and they progressively got worse. You know that day, yeah. and then it's like you know it's just like been a work in progress ever since then. So that that's I think that's everyone's story, but yeah. didn't really have too many problems. I had a great instructor. Um, that's good. That know, helps a lot. Yeah, and we just roll, you know, didn't have too much of a problem with anything else. It's just, um, you know, once I dedicated, put the time in, it it, it all came came together rather well. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's just planning. That's, you know, for new pilots out there, like, <clears throat> your landings are is gonna, uh, always something you're going to be working on for always. what I from what yeah. I can see, you know, Got over 3000 so, hours and every landing's different. I mean, yeah. it'll be a stretch of four weeks where I have every landing is amazing. And then I'll have a stretch <laughs> of a week where every landing's like, Oh my gosh, how, <laughs> like what is happening? And you're, <laughs> but it just kind of comes and goes. It's a technique. It's a style. It's a skill, but it ever, it's always changing. There's always some other kind of factor that you have to take into consideration and it's just always changing. So it's something yep. that you, you can never truly perfect, but you can continue to work on and just make, try to make everyone as best as possible. Yep. 
That's right. That's and that's kind of how I look at it. Is it's just it's always a work in progress, and you're always learning how to do it a little better. And and uh, it takes practice, you know. Um, you know, I, I get up in the pattern, and you know that that was one of the things during when you're a private pilot is you just spend so much time in the pattern, you know, <laughs> banging those landings, banging those landings, and and then you want to get away from that, but but you still need to do that just to keep the keep the edge on, um, you know, making good safe landings. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And don't be afraid of a crosswind. You know, obviously you have some limitations on yourself, but don't be afraid to fly into some crosswinds and because that's how you get better. You get better with practice and right. you get better with continually putting yourselves in kind of new territory or new situations where you can learn from what's going on around you. And I think it's 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 been helpful. So um, a, a friend of mine, uh, we just bought a Piper Cherokee about a month ago for me to use as a time builder and he's going to get his instrument rating in it. And so I had to get, he had time in the type and I didn't. So I called my CFI up and we went up, um, you know, just in the pattern for a few times just so he could sign me off. But (laughs) I found that so beneficial to go back up with him again. Um, just, just to hear the things I'd heard him say a hundred times before, um, you know, and give me some, some tips on, on what was a new plan for me. But, you know, I think that's for anyone. Um, you know, if you, if you need some help in a crosswind landing, just spend the money and spend an hour with the CFI yeah. because you can't critique yourself. No. You know, that's really hard to do because you're there in, in the moment, but he's sitting over there looking at you and he knows exactly what's going wrong. Yeah. He'll be you laughing know? at you all the way down and be like, what yeah. are you doing? <laughs> Absolutely. That's yeah. the point, you know, and that's, that's what, you know, so I, I just, I was surprised at how helpful I found going back up with him again. And, yeah. Don't be afraid so. of getting more instruction at all. I mean, just because you're a private pilot or just because you, you have your certificates doesn't mean you're a perfect pilot and doesn't mean that an instructor with less time than you can't teach you something that you don't already know or can't help That's you perfect right. your skills. So definitely yep. don't be afraid of that as well. And I like how you said that you're, it's interesting that you um, went the route to buy an aircraft with your buddy. Kind of talk about that. Is that going to be to your plan to time build? What is kind of your goal with owning the plane? Uh, it is definitely, uh, to time build. I'm, I'm not sure that's going to be the only way I time build, but, Mm -hmm. um, we had gotten into, uh, like a fractional ownership club, uh, last year that has a light sport that I had, one of the types I had flown in quite a bit and we, we were banging that around the skies for a little while. (laughs) And, um, we ended up actually taking that down to the Bahamas last December and that was, yeah, that was that was quite a trip, man. That's <laughs> how long of a flight was that? <laughs> uh, well, so it took us takes a day to get down to Florida, and then uh, you know you can sc- skip over to the Bahamas pretty quick from there. Yeah. We spent three nights in the Bahamas, and then cool. flew back to Florida, and then uh, made it back in a day from Florida again. But that was a long the, the way back. You know, that was like a ten hour. 10 hour day uh, it's a <laughs> long know, time all, in a light sport aircraft <laughs> yeah all hand flying you know 10 hours it, it was that that last trip back was was was, yeah. was something else but what, what the lesson learned for us was you know we got the problem in a light sport is they're very very uh sensitive to the winds yeah. you know and so we had laid out we knew what the winds the winds were supposed to kind of always be out of the uh, southeast pretty much the whole time mm-hmm. and so there's a lot of airports over at bahamas there and, are been there <laughs> and, and and you know so we were looking at 
we were finding all the strips that were going to be into the wind. Like, ah, it's not going to be that big of a deal as long as we're into the wind, um, which would have been the case. But we ran into some real crappy right right as we had gotten um, to Freeport, which we weren't going to land at because it was a crosswind. Mm-hmm. We were going to go couple airports down because all you have to do you know your first airport has got to be an airport of entry and they'll check you in Mm -hmm. and um there are several of those so we're going to go to like the next one to get a little better wind situation well the weather closed in on us and it was all of a sudden like pretty much darn near ifr conditions so i wasn't flying at the time my buddy was he had to whip it around and and skedaddle back to uh freeport which was just off of our wing um, anyway, but so he had to land and do a 50 knot crosswind There you go, and it was not pleasant. So, <laughs> you know, that, that's that, you know, the, the rated, the, you know, tested, tested limits of those planes. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't, you know, we don't want to do that again. So we're like, yeah, next time we do this, we're going to have our instrument ratings and, and be able to fly through that crap. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's so good. that's what we wanted to do. He wants to get his instrument rating. I, I had had quite a bit of training. I'm signed off. I haven't taken my check ride yet, but so we really wanted to find something for me to use as a time builder and for him to be able to do his training and check right in. So we found this, found this, uh, instrument rated Piper Cherokee and you know, it's, it's, it's got all the nice stuff in it all, you know, a little antiquated, but everything still works and actually has one of the earlier GPS GPSs on it that works quite well. And nice. So yeah, be spending a lot of time in that here in the next year and a half, two years. Yeah, sounds like it. Now, do you use four flight a lot with uh, when you're flying? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> we always we, we just laugh, you know. And and uh, once we discovered floor flight, and we have yeah, we we run two iPads, and and uh, he's got uh, the Stratus, so we can run the synthetic vision. And, oh, cool. Yeah, we've got all we've got all the bells and whistles as far as that goes, and it is it is funny, you know, because I I try to use the uh, at least the in-plane GPS, so I can so I can uh, navigate off the ball, that sort of thing. Because mm-hmm. I think that helps, you know, with your skills if you're if you're trying to shoot and approach it, things like that. But Definitely. it's just it's so funny to you know just have four flight right there and just everything's just at your fingertips. Yeah, I mean, the situation awareness that it provides is, a, is an amazing tool and amazing product. We used that. We we had it. We went down to the Bahamas, and you know. Uh, Every flight plan is a great flight plan until you get in the air and then you just throw it out the window and figure out how, how you're really going to get there. And um, yeah, I mean, that's what we did. The guy flying was flying and the guy uh, in the right seat was on the other iPad figuring out the new route to get around whatever weather was ahead yeah. of us, you know, and it's, it is, it's, it's weather. It's, you know, you can get all, you can get all the AWOS information. You can get all the runway information and it, it's, you know, it's, it is unbelievable. I think back to, when I was starting in aviation, you know, back when I was 18 and, and how, how you had to navigate then and, and that sort of thing. I'm like, this is, this is just revolutionary. I mean, it's, it's just, it's incredible. You know, the accuracy of the GPS yeah. on those things and, and, and the, you know, fairly up to date weather and all the information at your hands, all the charts are right there. I mean, unbelievable. Yeah, it's just absolutely changed the game. I, I, uh, for the company I am now, I don't need to have four flight because we have iPads that they provide for us and we actually have Jeppesen on there, which is now okay. the same family as four flight since Boeing yeah. just bought four flight. So right. it's, which will be interesting to see kind of what goes on with that. But it's, 
Yeah, four flight is just oh, steps and bounds above what Jeppesen offers right now. And before they bought, before Boeing bought four flight, they actually came and they actually have a partnership with four flight and they've been, four flight's been helping them revolutionize their own product. So four flight has forever changed the game, changed yeah. the industry, changed everything. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what Boeing's going to do with four flight and hopefully they don't change too much. Let them kind of have their freedom to continue to, to create amazing products. Yeah, you know the 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 one interesting part to me is um, the difference. I mean, you know, we always joke like we've got this whatever five hundred dollar iPad with a you know hundred dollar four flight subscription here on our on our control yoke or in our lap, and that gives us you know the most accurate information you can you can get pretty much. I mean, you know you you connect it up to the Stratus and your was capable and, and all that stuff, but yet you can't use it to navigate officially because it's not connected to the plane. Right. You know, and I'm just wondering when is that bridge going to get gapped? Because yeah. it just, it, I do understand it, but it just seems like there's gotta be some middle ground there that you don't, because what's the option, you know, okay, you can buy a GPS for your plane for $48,000 and then it spend then spend another eight or 10 to get it installed. I mean, yeah. it's, it's crazy. It is. I mean, the FAA moves very slowly if you haven't figured that out already. So yeah. I mean, it's, I'm yeah. sure it's in the works and I'm sure it's going to take a lot of partnerships between plane operators and people that make the planes and the people that make the the gyros and the instruments. So I'm sure it will be here in the future. So hopefully it will be here in the future and hopefully this will help speed things up and get that going. Yeah. You know, I did notice uh, as far as not GPS, but the, uh, the ADSB, I think it was out yeah, ADSB out um, over in Europe. They do allow, um, like a like a handheld like this one of those little units mm-hmm. um like the little stratus like we have in our plane it's it's like the same size unit you suction cup on your window doesn't have to be a part of the plane like it has right. to be part of the transponder here so i thought that was interesting they were a little more lenient on that than they than we are here but yeah everything every yeah yasa and fa everything's different everything's a little strange and <laughs> well, you, you think with iko and they'd want everything to be the same but there's always these little things that are just continually going to be different um, let's talk about a little bit of the challenges of owning a plane. Do you think it has been worth it so far? I know that some people say the the best part of owning a plane is the day you buy it and the day you sell it. Kind of talk about what it's like to own a plane, the maintenance, kind of the issues of like when something breaks, it all falls on you <laughs> instead of the flight right. school. Go ahead and talk um, a little bit about that. Well, we're we're still a little new into it, so I, I certainly don't consider myself an expert in it, but... Um, <laughs> The, you know, the buying process, I think, introduces you to, the, you know, the ups and downs of owning a plane. Um, we had a kind of a difficult buying process um, just because it was going through a broker. We were trying to dot our I's and cross our T's and we got an attorney involved and that ended up maybe not being the best, um, the best call because that kind of threw a wrench to the whole thing. But We've enjoyed it so far um, because coming up, coming off of the club that we were in, you, you know, it, it they were just really strapped because of all the maintenance going into that plane. And um, the reason for it, that particular plane, that club was formed to have uh, a light sport aircraft. So that's 
gentlemen that can only get gentlemen or ladies that can only get their sports pilot yeah. license, you know, will have something to fly. Um, but turns out those things are pretty maintenance intensive as well. Um, <laughs> you know, Go figure. so, yeah. <laughs> so we've really enjoyed that with Piper because we got, um, when we bought it, you know, we went ahead and had the hundred hour done and, and had, uh, the wings bar inspection done, um, that, you know, being batted around the FAA, like, uh, they're going to have some, some airworthiness requirements coming forward on that. And, and we got, uh, corrosion coating done and all that kind of at the same time. So we've enjoyed having the power of making the decisions, uh, for things like that. And, not having to go back to the committee and, and that sort of thing. So yeah. we, we've enjoyed it so far. And do under, <laughs> we, we got it with a, the engine only had 450 hours on it. Okay. So, you know, um, we really did our homework. We felt like, and, um, we'll have, uh, we will charge ourselves an hourly rate. So we start uh, putting money away okay. so that when, when the engine comes up, we'll have money for that. And also That's money smart. for, <laughs> you know, the ongoing maintenance and things like that. But, um, we just like having the control of, you know, if we want to, if we want to rip out some avionics and put some new in there and, you know, we, it's not ADS out, ADS out capable yet. You know, obviously that's, that's got to happen. So we're trying to figure that out. And that's fun to us, you know, spending the money isn't fun, but, uh, no, definitely not. uh, you know, I, I think I understand the saying and that's, you know, like the same thing with the boat, you know, but, um, I went into it with a, a partner that was a good friend that was very knowledgeable um, in these things. And, and we tried to make ourselves as smart as possible on it. And we did have the understanding that, uh, you know, there's, it's not just putting oil and gas in the thing that, you know, there's other expensive expenses involved. And so it's been great so far. Maybe I won't say that in a year, but I don't know. We love that thing. And, you know, we just <laughs> chop it to awesome. bits to get, get that thing good. up in the air. That so should be. It's just been so fun so far, and good. and we, you know, but we we you know we did have the you know a bank account both of us that could that could handle it. You know, it's not like we bought the plane and didn't have anything left. You know, yeah. we we know there's expenses that's going to be involved, and and uh, we'll be okay. Good. You know, it, the hour the, the for us having an instrument capable. See that that's a difference, like. So my school, if you want to do instrument training, it's in the 172s and it's, you know, 135 an hour plus, um, plus your instructor. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, as we're figuring out what we're going to charge ourselves, it's not going to be worth $135 an hour. I mean, well, it'll be, you know, I don't know, 45, yeah. 45 dry. So we'll put our own gas in it, but you know, we'll be spending maybe a third and putting, booking that money away, um, to pay for the upcoming maintenance and things right. like that. But it's just not going to be anywhere near what you have to pay. You know, and the problem, some, some of the problem is those, those planes are in commercial service. So they have to have hundred hours and they have students in them all the time. So I'm sure the insurance is astronomical, you know? Um, and in fact, our school made us have our own renter's policy and the policy on our plane is about the same as what I was paying for my renter's policy. Oh, wow. Uh, so that was a surprise. I thought insurance was going to be very expensive and it's, it's really not. That's good. So, but yeah, uh, so far so good. Love it. I uh, wish we had done it earlier and <laughs> but, uh, found, awesome. found the right plane for us. It looks like, so good. we're very happy. 
That's awesome. I mean, it's definitely, if you have the money to do it and you have the finances and you have the, the ability to do it, it's definitely probably one of the best ways to go about building your hours. So it's definitely a good call. And, uh, one thing I wanted to talk about as well was talk about, hang on. I just lost my track of thought. Hang on one second. <laughs> All right. One thing I wanted to talk about was talk about kind of your goal. Talk about your plans. You know, I mean, I always ask this question to people and it, it's, it's great to say that this is exactly what's going to happen step by right. step by step by step. But yeah. as we know, life, that's not how it goes. But as of right. now, talk to me about kind of like your grand old plan, kind of what you envision for your career. Yeah, I didn't have one for quite a while. Um, just was just kind of seeing what the options were and trying to, it, I had a real hard time. I, mean, I was getting on blogs and stuff and just trying to figure out, you know, how do you become, you know, like a corporate pilot and, and are, you know, are the airlines really as bad as what everyone says they are and, and that whole thing. So I, I just, I just kind of did some research and, you know, read stuff online and, um, but, and then, and then going to the community college, getting, getting that done was a huge help. So my plan right now, and it's always fluid, um, is to, uh, interview with a local regional. A lot of times, once you get your instrument rating, you can, you can interview with them. And, uh, if that were to go well, they can make you, they will make you a job offer and you have five years to get your hours in. And as soon as you get your hours in, then, you know, you're off and running with them. Um, and I think that's, that's the route that I'm going to pursue. I'd like to, uh, find someone I'm in the Baltimore area so I can fly out of, you know, any of the three around mm -hmm. here, which is huge opportunity. Yeah. So, uh, there's, there's, yeah, there's plenty of, plenty of, uh, regionals that have crew bases around here. So I want to stay local for, for now. And, um, Start start out at regional and see where it goes. I talked to, um, I went to last fall. There was a military officers association had like a job job fair down in D.C. and I went down there and there was all kinds of regionals down there. I think you know they're they're looking for the guys coming. They were looking for the guys coming out of the military as pilots and I'd, so I always had to say, look, <laughs> I'm, I'm a former former officer, but you know I'm not. Uh, didn't, didn't fly in the military, but I talked to several guys down there and, uh, you know, again, saw myself in a couple of them. And then there was a gentleman about my same age and he was a captain at a regional and he's like, I'm just flying every, every time I can to get, to get, uh, as many hours as I can. Cause I want to go and be, uh, with the majors. And I said, yeah. you know, well, you know, why wouldn't you just stay on with the regionals and, and, and stay as a captain there? He's like, you know, and he kind of, he kind of went through it with me and there, there is a lot better money to be made if you can get there in time. So yeah, um, sure. that's what I'm looking at. I, I started out thinking, but I really want to be a corporate pilot. And um, I know that's, that's, that's where you've, you've made it too. But I, I like the, uh, I like with my age, the little more straight line. I can see probably yeah. how it's going to lay out a little bit better. Uh, <laughs> it doubt. seems a little bit more like, yeah, you know, you get this many hours in as an FO, then you're going to be a yeah. captain. And then, you know, this many hours in, you can start looking at going to the majors. So I kind of like that. Um, little less, little less uh, haziness to the career path, I think is oh, probably definitely. a better fit for me at this point. If I was a younger man, I probably wouldn't be saying that. But. Yeah, no, it definitely is. The airlines are kind of like, all right, 
you get to 1500 hours, you go to a regional, you sit at a regional for this long, you have your seniority number right. at a major airline. So you'd be here for this long. It's kind of just like, it's like a ladder. It's like, all right, you're going up the next step. Then you go up the yep. next step. Then you go up the next step <laughs> or corporate. It's like, there's so many different companies and you can go so many different places and you can have an idea of what they want. But the one place you want might won't require 2,500 hours. Once you get 2,500 hours, oh, sorry, we're not hiring right now. So it's right. kind of like, or right. we're shutting down or yep. we're, you got the job and then they sell the plane, then you lose your job. And it's like kind of, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, what do you do? So the corporate life is definitely a little more, it's a little more murkier on how you get in there. But yeah. I mean, it's a, I went into this whole career path with my eyes set on the airlines, major airline, American airlines, cause that's where my dad was. I kind of just like thought that's the only path you can go. The only, I always thought the only real way to be a successful pilot or to finally say you're a true pilot is flying for the airlines. But I've quickly learned that that is not true and that you can have a great career no matter what you do. So yeah, I mean, there's definitely a pass for everyone in every single route that you want to go. So definitely do the research to find which one is right for you. And at the time right now, like we talked about, life changes a lot of things. This might be the best one because you never know. Tomorrow you might go to your plane and someone might be staying outside and be like, hey, I want to buy a hangar and I need to put my Falcon in here. Oh, how much time do you have? Oh, why don't you sit right seat when you, it's like, so things just kind of uh, things change. It's a very fluid industry and right. things change yeah. very fast. So I yeah. mean, and I would be wide open to that. Exactly. Yeah. So it's good so. to have a plan, but never turn down like a great opportunity or something like right. that. Like always say yes to go fly. All, I mean, if it's a safe environment, a safe place to go, always say yes to go fly. Yep. But yeah, yeah I, I mean, I think, um, you know, if, if I could be so bold and look 20 years down the road, I mean, I'd, I'd you know, regional major get done with that. And then, and then get a part-time contract job, you know, bang, banging people around Florida. You know, that there would be go. like, you know. Well, hey, you can fly seaplanes in Florida for Tropic Airways. They fly seaplanes from Florida. I follow, I follow those guys. Good. I heard that podcast. Yeah. I, you know, oh, I, uh, well, I and when we flew in the Bahamas, I, I don't know if it was their planes, but we did see some float planes back there. Oh, yeah. And then, then there's a DC three that flies back and forth okay. from yeah. uh, Miami out to the Bahamas. And we were, we were chasing him at one point. So awesome. yeah, those guys, uh, they don't have it so bad, man. No, they got a good little Holy lifestyle, you know? God. Yeah. It's not bad. Landing on the water in the Bahamas got to be a pretty fun job. There is nothing wrong with that. Yeah. yeah. I love seaplanes. Uh, that's, that's a bucket list rating. Definitely. Um, Love to, love to, love to figure that out. <laughs> well, like you said, you never know how your career is going to go. So like you said, always keep it open. That's right. Well, David, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Um, I think your story is just really going to resonate with a lot of people that listen to this podcast or a lot of people that follow Pilot to Pilot. It's so many people love aviation and just continually get blocked at the fact that it's so much money or maybe it's too late for them or maybe it's just it's not going to work out in their family situation. And I think that your story is going to help people know it's like, hey, he can do it. It's kind of like you said, you met someone that's older than you that is going after this and you saw him be able to do it. You felt like you could do it. So maybe yep. some that's 25 is going to see you be like, Hey, I can do it. So, I mean, it's just kind of, it's going to be a snowball effect. And I think that your story is definitely going to be one that needs to be told. And I'm very thankful that you let me tell it today. Before we go, I just want you to kind of give three main tips. I know we kind of briefly touched on it before, but just give kind of like your three tips to someone that is thinking about making the switch and kind of the three most important things that they should do before they make the switch. Uh, the, the first one is, I think the one that everyone says, but it's the most correct is just get started. So go down, take your, take that initial hundred dollar ride at the local, uh, at your local, um, airport that has a, 
some sort of school there and make sure it's make sure it is for you if you haven't been up in a small plane um so that, that'll either go one of two ways. You'll either hate it or you'll love it. You'll probably love it, and then you'll have the bug, and then it'll go from there. So that's obviously number one. Uh, I think number two is uh, you know a long-term plan. I like, I like what you said about uh, one of the other podcasters where he laid out the plan, and it doesn't matter your age or what your goal is. Uh, long, long-term plan is so hugely um, important to understand – how you're going to get from A to B and you can't, it's, it's, you know, it doesn't matter if you're just trying to be a private pilot, if you're doing Mm -hmm. something like what I'm doing, you can't just jump into it. You you know, there's so much information out there right now, you know, thank God for the internet. You really can figure stuff out. What's it going to cost? How long is it going to take? You know, what are my options? Um, so put a plan together. And so part three goes along. Part two is, is, is do your research. Um, (laughs) you know, uh, there, like I said, there's so much information out there. There's, and I've gained a lot just from, you know, listening to guys like you on your podcast. I follow all kinds of different aviation people on Instagram and I've learned so much about the industry just by doing that. That's helped me. Like I said, I didn't have a plan for a long time because I just couldn't figure it out. But You know, having having followed people, listen to podcasts, you know, read stuff online, it kind of comes together. You can kind of formulate. So um, take advantage of the information that's out there and that will help you to formulate your plan. But step number one is just to get started. Get that first ride. If you love it, then just start going on your on your private pilot. If you can only do it, you know. One or two flights on the weekends, just do that. That's fine for now. That's what I did. That got me there. Yep. So um, that's what I'd say. Perfect. Well, David, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I truly appreciate it. And like I said before, I think that this is going to help a lot of people. So I appreciate it. And um, hopefully we can have you back on when you can tell me that you're sitting right seat at your regional <laughs> airline. So, I mean, it's definitely a story that you got to tell. And it's definitely a story that you're going to continue to build on. So good luck with everything. And I hope it all pans out the way you want it to. Great. Thanks, Justin. No problem. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Have a great day. Okay. Aviation. that is a wrap for episode number 53. Like I said earlier, if you enjoyed today's episode, please check out our website. Leave us a review on iTunes. Check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash pilot to pilot. Or check us out on Instagram at pilot to pilot and Twitter at pilot to pilot. Aviation. if you would like to be on an episode of the pilot to pilot podcast, please email me at pilot to pilot hq at gmail.com. Happy flying, Aviation.